I'm sick of it. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of this. Of what? Health. Health. I'm sick of health. Sick of health. Hello and welcome back to Sick of Health. I'm joined. As usual, I'm going to do it the right way around this time. Dr. Thanks. David Wright. Hello. And Rob Littlewood. I enjoyed it last time, but <laughs> I enjoyed the live <laughs> Mate, we saved the best till last. You know that's how it is. How are we, lads? Very well. Yeah. Very good, thank you. Very yep. good. Yep, good. Excited glad to, to be, be back. Indeed. Very excited and glad to be back. Um, I think we'll, uh, if you remember the last few episodes, we've been, we've been plugging our new email address, team at sickofhealth.co.uk. Um, so I think... Uh, it would be nice to start off with some of the feedback we've received. Yeah, little correspondence. Um, I haven't personally been keeping up to date with the, with the inbox, but I know you guys have. And Rob, I think you've got some highlights for us there. Yeah, I got um, I've got one here from. Um, one. For, well, yeah, I picked one out um, earlier. <laughs> been a busy day. <laughs> uh, so. Todd from Ohio, uh, he sent an email and saying, I just absolutely love the dynamic, guys. Love tuning into your shows, even though they're quite erratic in their regularity, um, <laughs> which, is, which is true. My wife and I in Ohio have found our interest truly peaked into the topics that you talk about. Um, Todd. Uh, Thanks, Todd. Yeah, I got another email from him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the same yeah, yeah. Uh, hi, team. Todd again, just emailing because... I haven't heard back from you guys yet. <laughs> 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 well, <clears throat> wanted to know if you've received my first email because I'd really like to share a number of suggestions for future shows. Oh, so nice. um, here's our acknowledgement, Todd, um, and we will be sure to email you back. Uh, as you can imagine, we get inundated with, with emails and suggestions, um, some of which can be quite inappropriate. Um, <laughs> But uh, all very, all very worthwhile. We can read those another time. Okay, okay. Well, that um, is that is lovely, Todd. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Todd. And suggestions, we love them, and yeah, across the pond. Glad we're going down please. well in Ohio. Yeah, indeed. Well, we saw the spike in American listeners. That's over the line. That's yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please do email in. We'll we'll do a special for next episode. If anyone emails in, we will shout them out. Yeah. It might be a quickie, but we will shout you out. Yeah. Um, but another thing to add to that. This is, I really did quite enjoy this. Um, I also got some feedback from, we got a listener in uh, Norway, a guy called Sam, and he actually sent me a uh, voice note. And he, yeah, I'll, I won't say anything, I'll just play the voice note. So I'm just going to play this on my mobile for everyone to hear. Hey, buddy, <clears throat> you've got to listen to the podcast, right? At five minutes, oh, one. Five minutes and one second. When you ask uh, your buddy, uh, um, what's the biggest killer amongst women between under the age of forty-five? And he says breast cancer. And you're like, oh yeah, exactly, correct it. And then he goes, good, I'm glad. And then you just move yeah. on. And then to say he's happy that breast cancer is killing women. <laughs> so we wanted to. <laughs> so <laughs> we wanted to play that yeah. because I wanted to give you a chance to right the wrongs but before we do should we just play the clip from the episode so yeah, that we can see what uh, he's just double check it he's referring to on the male side and then just to complete the picture for the female side the focus is male suicide but female side anyone <laughs> any guesses on the what the biggest killer under the age of 45 is we're saying it's not suicide i mean i would suggest something like breast cancer you would be cancer related. <laughs> you would be entirely correct. That's, That's good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So, was perfectly, I was very much aware of that when I listened back to it and just decided to to ignore how that sounded. Um, not really um, much I could do about it after. We, yeah, but we do want, this is the opportunity to say that is not your intention whatsoever. I was glad that I was on the right lines with my exactly. estimate. And I will hold my hands up here wholeheartedly. If you listen, if we listen back to the original, original, I'm sure it's not that bad. I think my editing made it sound worse than it was. That was not intentional either, but quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, we should listen in a bit more detail. Write that wrong. Not the case. And thanks, Sam. Off the back of that uh, feedback, we were actually like, you know what? We've done episodes on prostate cancer. We've done episodes on male suicide. We are three blokes, although we, mm. uh, we've had a female guest. Um, so we, we wanted really to balance, the, balance it out a little bit. Uh, so we had an episode lined up on breast cancer with a really good guest. Unfortunately, the dates didn't work out this time, but watch out for a future episode for that one. It'll be real good. Towards the end of the season, we'll get it in. Yeah? Yeah. What are we going with? Okay, fine. Don't know how long the season's gonna be. Yet. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but let's uh, let's bring it back to let's let's kick off and go with today's topic. So today's topic, I mean, it's come up a few times in various other topics, mm. in various other episodes, um, and it's we could ignore it for too long because it is now the biggest killer in the UK. Does that mean anything? Any guesses? Still think about Sam's voice note. Oh, you are <laughs> <laughs> shaking up. <laughs> Well, it's Alzheimer's, essentially. Alzheimer's disease, which is now the biggest killer in the UK, so we had to do an episode on it at some point. Um, and it's it's going through a real interesting stage at the moment in terms of research and treatments, because it's a barren field in terms of treatments, I think it's fair to say. Mm -hmm. Certainly disease-modifying treatments. Um, so it's, we want to ha kind of have a look at where we are at the moment and then some real interesting stuff that's happened recently, some, some wicked advancements. Um, but before we do, of course, we need our hit of science. So David, uh, yeah. what you got for us? So Alzheimer's disease, do you know much about it? Not as much as I'd like to know about it, but it covers a number of diseases, isn't that right? Well, it's mainly, so it's kind of... Um, all part of the dementia scope, but Alzheimer's yeah. is a bit more kind of specific, or at least there's... Oh, so the dementia, I got it right. Yeah, so dementia okay. is kind of the umbrella term, and Alzheimer's was defined by this hypothesis, which um, everyone has kind of been building upon so far. So it's called the, the amyloid beta hypothesis. And people with Alzheimer's disease, their brains have kind of two distinct features. They have clumps of these amyloid beta proteins that form outside of the cells, and also uh, strings of uh, tau protein that cluster inside of cells. And these amyloid beta plaques kind of develop from um, a protein that sits on the outside of cells in the brain, and it gets cleaved off in a couple of different places. And in people that are susceptible to Alzheimer's, they get slightly bigger of these protein fragments that lead them to kind of cluster together. And these clusters are thought to kind of break down the neurons within your brain and start to lead to this, um, the Alzheimer's symptoms. So the kind of yeah, dementia, yeah. loss of memory and everything that comes with it. Um, and so the hypothesis, so all the research so far has kind of been built upon this hypothesis that this is the driving mechanism behind Alzheimer's and that was kind of 
uh, solidified even further by some genetics research. So they saw that most people, I think pretty much everyone with Alzheimer's, had these plaques. And then they did some genetic research, and people that have a hereditary form of Alzheimer's have um, mutations within the genes that code for proteins within the those kind of the cascade of the formation of these plaques. So those two bits of evidence together is pretty compelling. And they thought, right, this is probably how Alzheimer's is formed. So we're going to pump in all of our effort and all of our research to stopping this process from happening and try and prevent Alzheimer's. Exactly. Yeah, and it's. As you say, the, the research thus far, understandably, has all kind of been around this this beta amyloid hypothesis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, I mean, it's fair to say it hasn't been going well in terms okay. of those treatment targets. And certainly, recently this year, there's been some big hitting. Some of these some of these compounds have got through to these phase three trials, phase two and three trials, which is the, the last stage you're testing on humans. And it, phase three is that last stage before you can kind of get licensed drug. Um, so they're getting that far, but then there's been some big hitting failures. So back in March, there was one called uh, aducan- aducanumab, um, two trials, kind of the same trial, um, but they both they both got cut cut short before they could finish, before it could complete. They haven't showed the results, but they said it wasn't because of safety, it was because of efficacy. So uh, often they stop these trials, mm. obviously because of safety reasons, side effects or patients mm-hmm. are dying. Um, this was because of efficacy. So clearly the patients just weren't getting better. Exactly. So this hypothesis not working. Um, there was another one even more recently in July, um, official name CNP520, Umbekistat. Umbekistat is the name of That one also failed, and then you saw a couple of other ones, slightly different target, but it's still the same hypothesis, right? Yeah, exactly. They're kind of targeting this protein that kind of it cleaves it in two places before it starts forming the plaque. So, yeah, they're all kind of amongst that process, and yeah, they've all been failing. And then, I mean, the stat, if you add the two. I mean, we've got a stat here that was from 1998 to 2017, but I guess if you add those two failures this year, there's been uh, at least 148 unsuccessful attempts to develop a drug in Alzheimer's, which is pretty staggering, given the progress we've made across the board in all other areas. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that it, th- I mean, if you're looking at the global effect of it, I mean, obviously without treatment, it is rising and rising and rising. In the yeah. UK, it's now the biggest killer. With an aging population as well, so yeah, exactly. more and more. We get better at everything else and plateau. Well, yeah. I say plateau, you have to go up and then plateau. We haven't started yeah. yet with this. Yeah. Um, so that is interesting. And then obviously with all these failures, there's massive, massive cost implications for the farm companies um, across the board. But if you take one example, so we talked about that Aducanumab one, um, which is jointly done between Biogen and Esai. Esai, I don't know who yeah. said that one. Um, but if you look at kind of, if you take that one for example, so when they announced that they were stopping that trial, the day they announced it, if we look at Biogen, their share value dropped by $18 billion. Wow. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah. Insane. And then they said three years building up to that, the amount of money they, they could say the development, so that covers the trial itself um, and all the other associated costs. So they spent $1.2 billion. Um, kind of developing this drug. Um, the reason that the share value drops so much is because there's nothing in Alzheimer's. When someone finds a treatment, it will 
yeah. without you know something sure. bad, it'll be a huge money maker. Yeah, it'll it'll be amazing, but it'll also be a huge money maker. Mm. Um, so it has huge, huge cost implications. Um, but obviously, with all these drugs targeting or uh, targeting things within this hypothesis, this beta amyloid hypothesis, you've got to start to kind of doubt that hypothesis and question it. Um, and I think. One interesting point that we pulled out here, someone uh, kind of quote, someone said that it has actually hit its target in that it's removed the plaques. Yeah. There's evidence that it's removed the plaques, but it's had no clinical effect. So the drugs are doing what they're supposed to do. So they're clearing these plaques, but it, that's not having an effect. So the kind of drug discovery process is working fine, but the whole theory that underpins yeah. it is not working out. So people are doubting this theory yeah yeah Yeah. and i mean it's they're clearly they are present in alzheimer's there's no question there yeah the drugs target them they remove them no question there but the symptoms uh, i mean according to that you would hypothesize the the symptoms aren't related to the plaques Yeah. yeah it must be something else but a lot of people are still clinging to kind of the hope of the trial and there was one the, the, one of the reasons for this, there was a really good little analogy that we saw. And um, he, uh, this guy kind of likened the, the amyloid beta hypothesis. To, he says, um, if you think of it, it's a match. So the amyloid beta plaques are a match that starts a bushfire of tau tangles, which David talked about briefly, mm-hmm. which lead to a forest fire of inflammation in the brain. So it's like a three-stage right, process. Okay. If you treat a patient with, full, with full-blown dementia, so that forest fire with amyloid beta, you're trying to put out the forest fire by blowing out the match. Match, yeah. Okay. Which is a real nice way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's get my podcast. Of, yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> better, better than us lot. Watch out, David. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess that points to why they're, well, I'd say why there's still hope for it, I guess. Yeah. So what they're thinking now is. Uh, to kind of rather than work on patients or try these drugs on patients that have um, full-blown symptoms of Alzheimer's is to try and get patients that are susceptible to get it so they have the matches without the fire and see whether you can put it out at that point. So it's it's much trickier because you've got to start intervening in patients that aren't showing symptoms yet but might be just starting to form these plaques, which is, in terms of Alzheimer's, is such a slow-developing disease. You're going back 15 years in the development yeah, which is a long time in terms of the symptoms. And I guess that analogy as well. So we're talking about bring back, you could look at putting out the match or you could then look at trying to put out the bushfire, the town tangles, which is something people have done. Yeah. Or you can look at trying to put out the forest fire, but inflammation of the brain is going to be pretty widespread and hard to target, I would have thought. Yeah, so that's you wanna, tricky. You, you, uh, with anything, you want to do it as high upstream as you possibly can, don't you? Yeah. Um, so... On that point, putting out the match, they've actually, a lot of the substances that failed, that were targeting the plaques, they're now bringing them back and trying them again. Um, So there's one, uh, solanizumab, um, that failed in a phase three trial. It's it's hard reading. Yeah, it is, isn't it? There's more as well. I'll let David do the rest. Phase three (laughs) trial, but they're now bringing it back. But this time, so obviously before it was patients who have symptoms, this time they're doing two different ones. The first one, they're doing brain scans of people to see if they could be part of the trial. So you can, before the symptoms, yeah. you can see if the plaques have built up. But obviously, mm-hmm. 
kind of looking for patients with brain scans when they're costing four thousand dollars a pop mm. is and phase three you're talking like you know fifty thousand fifteen hundred patients seems to be the number in dementia still based on the hypothesis as well yeah it's yeah. still based on this hypothesis and you need mm. to screen so many more people than the actual final amount you get because you're going to have a lot of people that miss so and you have dropouts too so you're going to have to be screening thousands and thousands of people before you even start this thing so i mean i I don't know how long that's the recruitment for that trial is going to take. I haven't looked, but I imagine it will be long yeah. and very yeah. expensive. And then the other one, they do it slightly differently. <clears throat> there is one kind of s stream of Alzheimer's that's due to a genetic mutation or a genetic disp so there's a genetic disposition, so that anyone that has that, they're saying we'll put you on this trial, mm -hmm. and then we'll see if it stops the onset. But again, you know, raises questions in terms of it. But other stuff we're targeting then, I guess. Yeah, so yeah, so as a kind of counter to this whole hypothesis, which might be incorrect, they're starting to think, all right, let's try and target some other things. And the first thing are the tau tangles, so the bushfire, which Joe mentioned. Um, and drugs have already been targeted towards that, but they have also failed. But they think that it might be because of some of these reasons as well. So it's kind of similar vein, but they're kind of slightly different angle. And then there's uh, some other bits which are a bit more... Well, no, the other one is tackling the inflammation, so the raging bushfire when it's going. I just read that. <laughs> <laughs> He's just written here, the fire is raging. Yeah. <laughs> That's my <laughs> Yeah, so this is when it's already kind of fully taken hold. And as Joe said, it's, it's hard. When you get to tackling kind of widespread inflammation, you'll get tons of side effects, and you've already the kind of... It's pretty tricky at that stage, but they're thinking that could be a way. And there's another kind of slightly more interesting left field idea where these um, cells in the brain microglia, so they're kind of like the white blood cells of the central nervous system. They work in kind of two different main ways. One is in a kind of rest stage where they help mop things up and prevent inflammation, and then they can switch into a kind of pro-inflammatory state, and that starts um, kind of yeah, making everything much worse, the kind of fire scenario. And they think they found a way of switching it from the fire state to the kind of mopping up state. And in this mopping up state, it could also clear away the plaques. So it's kind of a little bit of a not there yet left field idea, but it's, it's a suggestion. We like left field ideas, all about that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, and then I guess it leads us to the most recent finding, um, which I guess it's real promising. It's slightly different. It's not a treatment per se, but obviously with all this talk about trying to get patients on trials earlier, a lot of uh, efforts and funding has been going into diagnosis. How you can diagnose people earlier because brain scans is not a viable option. Um, so one thing they've been looking at is blood tests. Obviously real simple and easy to do. You do it for so many different things. Mm -hmm. um, and literally last week, the results came out for a blood test that people have been working on. Um, and they're pretty staggering, basically saying that with 95% accuracy, it can detect um, Alzheimer's 20 years before symptoms would show. Is this a new test, or did they try this 20 years ago and they're able to prove that it's got 95% accuracy? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. A very good question, <laughs> which, <laughs> which seems like a really obvious question to, uh, to ask, answer now. but. I don't know how they yeah, tested no, it for 95% yeah. accuracy with 20 years. Mm. That's a very I haven't question. looked at the original data yet, don't know. 
Well, stumped him. Yeah, yeah, you have. Fair play. Yeah. It seems like a really obvious question now. Yeah. I've but just been waiting go. for my moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. I mean, whether it's it might be that like they've modelled it and they're yeah. It, it, yeah. And then you can question the accuracy itself anyway. It's something as scientists we should we should. But also, into. you can do other things where you can do uh, retrospective studies rather than prospective. So if you have a bank of biological materials, say right. someone's put in. So I'll explain how this test works. So you can, it's testing for a particular protein, and this protein is part of the kind of structural integrity of cells within your brain, and there is no cause for it to be outside of your cells, but when your brain starts undergoing some damage, they become somewhat leaky, so then okay. it kind of comes out into the cerebral spinal fluid, which is the fluid that kind of surrounds your brain and s spinal cord, and then from there it can go into the blood. So if you see this neurofilament uh, light chain protein within your blood, then something's going wrong in your head. And they found that it's related to plaque formations and Alzheimer's. So what they could have done yeah, is I had like a, have it. a stock of lots of different answer. blood and yeah. spinal fluid from throughout the years and they can just test High test cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Dr. David cracked it as per. Yeah. Um, but nah, I mean, Pretty, I mean, real cool sure. advancement. Sure, 95% yeah. accuracy seems pretty... 20 years' time, when you were saying at the beginning, weren't you, 15 mm -hmm. years before symptoms show, the plaques start forming. Yeah. So, amazing from You've that got your window of opportunity. So. Yeah, you've got your five-year yeah. window of opportunity um, to stop, just intervene before the plaques start forming, which is amazing. It's also, in terms of thinking about those clinical trials, where they're, we're talk we talked about the two different ways they can try and recruit people before they show symptoms... The, the brain scans, which are ridiculously expensive, impractical to do, it's going to take ages, and the genetic disposition. This is this could be a game changer in terms of yeah. recruiting people for clinical trials. It mm -hmm. could be huge. But I saw this, and, and me being me, I was really excited. Went on Twitter, <laughs> um, and I saw one really interesting tweet that Here kind of a point I hadn't <laughs> considered, and this bloke. Uh, Dan Thomas, shout out, probably listens. Dan 26 and Wales. Yeah, Dan 26 and Wales. He emailed us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, hooray, exclamation mark. This is in response to someone saying about the thing. He yeah. goes, hooray, exclamation mark. Come and find out in 20 years' time you're going to develop a horrible disease that we have no effective <laughs> treatment for and there is nothing we can do to stop you becoming symptomatic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really depressing clinical trial to go to. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? But, I mean, he makes... A really good point. Sounds like a fun guy for a party, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. He's that bloke in the corner, isn't he? But it's a, it is a really valid point that, okay, you've created this diagnostic tool, and for clinical trials, the point still stands. But normally you come up with something like this, and you look at other diseases where they do screening. So breast cancer is obviously slightly different. It's genetic stuff, but you have that. So you screen a population because you've got a test, a diagnostic test, and then those that come up positive you then have put them on a treatment plan. Mm -hmm. But in this situation, you've got a diagnostic test and then no treatment option. Yeah. So, I mean, y you, can't, you can't have a screening program when there's no treatment, right? Even an optional one. I mean, would you, Rob, would you take, would you, if you had the option now to go have a blood test, or let's say when you're 40, to go have a blood test, and find no, and then you might know that in twenty years you'd start developing Alzheimer's. I just don't. I don't think I would be like sharp enough to think about until I got there to be like. But wait, what if the results come back and they say, like, "Oh yeah, you've you're probably going to get it." Yeah. 
then what? Like that would be heartbreaking. I I just I don't I don't I, think I'd do it. I think I'd no. be like, yeah, I'm just gonna leave this one. For for me, no way. I presume point. that I probably mm. will. I feel like most people, a lot of people will in our generation, but I'd rather not know. No, I mean it's. Dementia is one of the hardest things to deal with from both a carer's point of view and a personal point of view yeah. because you are literally losing your mind, your ability to think. And <laughs> My granddad's got it at the moment. It's really difficult to, you know, he never remembers when he chats to us. Yeah, he yeah. repeats the same stories over and over again. Yeah. It gets my name wrong, it's my dad all the time. My, all these things I don't really mind, but I can totally understand. And yeah, he has a carer and as he also is living with my aunt and uncle at the moment. It's just putting a lot of pressure on. Yeah. On them, yeah. But then there's also the benefit if you find out, then you can think, right, I've got 20 years to start getting some stuff in line for it. You could save a little bit more, maybe, or. Well, there's the other, there's the other question. This <laughs> is Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously, I'm sure you've seen stuff about risk factors. Right? Yeah, yeah. In terms of people will say, oh, if you avoid this, it will yeah. help your chance, stop your chances of getting dementia. <laughs> if you avoid this, it will stop your chances of getting yeah. dementia. Which, from that point of view, you go, okay. Might get in twenty years, in which case, theoretically, you'd be like, well, I'll stop eating that, I'll yeah. start doing this, I'll stop doing that. Yeah. Cut it from an eighty percent chance down to a forty percent chance or something by doing. All theoretically, yeah. yes, but we thought that. So then we, I mean, I've been accruing these for a while because they're hilarious, <laughs> but it's an absolute minefield in terms of risk factors. Yeah, it seems that everything is everything a risk factor, is. and some of them are ridiculous. I've got a list here. I'm going to test test you two and see if you I'm can. Is, is music festivals number one? <laughs> see if you can see. Yeah. <laughs> Cut down on those. Okay, you've got one right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of them was loud concerts. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. Oh wow. Which, yeah. So we're going with that. We're in trouble. That is a risk factor. Yeah. You're correct. Okay. Then we've got um, uh, another one would be dreaming. <laughs> risk factor Surely or not? Risk not. Factor. <laughs> Surely it's not a risk factor. No, dreaming is a good thing. If you dream more, you're less likely to get Alzheimer's. Okay. So it's not a risk factor, yeah. but you know what uh, I mean. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, so you've got to dream more. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. Okay. I'm so eat so cheese, Yeah, I guess. lots of cheese before bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, another one. Um, tying your hair too tight. If you're a girl, tying your hair back. Risk factor or not a risk factor? Or a guy. Oh, a guy. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, David's main. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would, I would say it would be a risk factor. I don't think it's nah, made so that realistic. Made that one up. <laughs> really? Yeah. They're all I just, both I feel it. like They're this is a kind of it. list that would have outlandish claims. Yeah. That, like, I mean, <laughs> it is. Okay, next one. Um, too much cold weather. Oh, we're not in a good place here then. I'd say no, not a risk factor. Correct. Yeah. Next one. Um, getting married. <laughs> Why would that be a risk factor? The added stress of getting married? Is it being married or getting is it <laughs> the, marriage? The words I have here are getting married. Remember these can be positive or negative. Yeah. As in it can be something that helps. I reckon that is a factor. I think that involves a lot of stress. Okay, so you think it's a negative factor? Yeah. It's a positive factor. Really? Yeah, getting married. Um Joy. Increased yeah. dreaming. We've got um <laughs> too little sleep. Well that's definitely negative. a contributor. Correct. Yeah. Um we've got too much sleep. Negative as well? Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> what this article said, you know, it's ridiculous. This article said averaging less than six hours of sleep a night 
um, raised the risk of dementia by 36%. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. We did an episode on sleep. No one's heard it, but we did an episode on sleep. We <laughs> yeah. know that. We're not sharing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> not sharing that one's it. just for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then too much sleep. Sleeping more than eight hours a night increased dementia by 35%. So it was so six and a half. Like between eight. six and eight window. Yeah. All right. Set your alarms. I mean, it doesn't bode well for us this week, does it? No, there not you go. at all. Um, we've got um, doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> Made that one up. We've got being a loner. That's such a harsh way well, of saying it, rather yeah. than being lonely, <laughs> being alone. Is that how they worded it? <laughs> is that? This was legit, and that was what the article said. <laughs> Just is that different to being lonely, being says, a loner? I mean, cool. socialising is supposedly healthy, isn't yeah, it? It's got yeah, yeah, brain, yeah, yeah. That's so, the point they're making. Yeah. But it says here, lonely people... Actually, I don't know what I'm laughing, sorry. Lonely people had double the risk of Alzheimer's than their more social peers. I also want to know really? how they found that. Do yeah. they put an advert out for lonely people or like people with a lack of friends? Yeah, but it's easier to recruit. Yeah. <laughs> recruiting for Alzheimer's is easy. Recruiting for lonely people for what? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it, to be honest. Then we've got the classics, poor diet. Yeah. You want to be having healthy fats, lean proteins, vitamins, minerals. Um, you want to avoid boozing, obviously. You want to avoid smoking, obviously. The classic risk factors. Um, so, I, I mean, that kind of came out as a no for me in terms of... That's interesting with smoking, because I remember I did pharmacology a long time ago now, but we were told the one thing, and this is bad for kind of advocating smoking, but that was the one thing that was beneficial for, was... What? Uh, what? Dementia, because you have... Um, going deeply into pharmacology now, you have nicotinic receptors, which you have in your lungs and elsewhere, but mainly in your brain and they increase the kind of firing rate. So if you smoke, then it kind of sparks more cognition and you kind of keep pathways going, built for stronger, for longer. So it's not, I don't think there's kind of built in a lot of research and that was from a while ago, so there might be new research in now, but it was thought that dementia was one of the few things that smoking actually was beneficial for. Sure Maybe that's like a short term, yeah. long term pressure it puts in your body, I suppose it might. Blood pressure, vascular dementia would be bad, which I would be increased. I think getting the early signs of dementia and he's, <laughs> he's forgotten. He's <laughs> straining. <laughs> Sorry, that's a terrible guy. Um, but yeah, for me, that kind of, that was a no. I wouldn't do it to then look at risk factors I can avoid because it's either the obvious ones that you try your best to avoid anyway, kind of. Mm. <laughs> or Monday through Thursday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Monday through Thursday, great well, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Rest of the time, yeah. Um, but it, so, I mean, it's too much of a minefield until they come out with some clear guidance. There's been some better studies recently, admittedly, but until they come out with some clear guidance, I wouldn't say that helps. So, for me, and I think uh, this is where we can draw things to a close, we, we're revisiting this question. For me, it would be, a, I would, if I was off the, say, same situation when we're 40 years old, there's still no treatments available, uh, I wouldn't get the blood test. No. I wouldn't yeah. want to know. I think I'm going to agree with you guys. I think I just worry about it. Yeah, it's too, I mean, it could have the opposite effects and it could be like, well, next 20 years, I'm going to live life to the absolute max. Yeah, I can see that benefit in the planning and the kind of, yeah. And then you get there. As, as, yeah, it's a glass half full, glass half empty. Yeah. Like, you should be living gonna, your life like that anyway. Yeah. You do Caesar Day, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> award winning day Caesar. <laughs> so Joe won an award today for it was the Carpe Diem Award. Just being, <laughs> being a day Caesar. <laughs> That's unfortunately true. And on that, <laughs> on that wonderful note, 
will draw things to a, a close. But I thoroughly enjoyed that one. It's a topic I'm definitely personally interested in. Yeah. And that kind of some uh, interesting question, but let's hope, that question aside, let's hope that <laughs> the, it can be used to improve clinical trials and we start seeing some positive results because yeah. you know, millions of people all over the world are hoping for good results. Yeah, yeah. A lot of big words in that episode, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tricky drug names. <laughs> 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 <do that>. <laughs> thank you for that, guys. Yeah, that was class. Um, around that. And thank you all, as usual, for listening. Reminder, send in to the email address team at sickofhealth.co.uk. Thank you, guys. See you later. Sick, so sick, so sick of health.